What's up, Dream Warriors? Welcome back to another episode of a podcast on Elm Street. I'm Mark. And I'm Brooke. And this is week three of our March musicals. And we have a special episode for you guys this week as we are joined by our good friend, no stranger to the podcast, Mr. Jeffrey Chuck Norris from Chuck and Ruff Go to the Movies. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing, sir? I am doing fantastic. It has been uh, it's been a little bit of a wild weekend. My wife has had strep and mm. stuff like that, so kind of dealing with the kids and everything all by myself. But hey, it's been fun, and I got to go do something fun today. Which, uh, uh, Mark, I know you know all about. Brooke, oh, I don't yes. know if you saw. Oh yeah, of course yeah. you all saw. I yeah. talked about it in the group chat. <laughs> finally got to go see Batman. I'm the last one in the group to finally go see it. So I was excited. How was it? Loved it. I, I thought it was very well done. Um, I'm all for Robert Pattinson's take on the whole Bruce Wayne Batman thing. Uh, I love the dark tone. I love the fact that it was a detective story. Like it was a who done it from beginning to end. Like I, I wanted to know how the story was going to end. Like who was responsible for everything and how did it all connect and everything? It was a lot of fun. But that score. I just couldn't get over how beautiful that score was and the music they chose for it. Nirvana, like, my God, I've just, I was sitting there like, man, I, I, I really, I just enjoyed it so much. Would I go mm-hmm. see it again? Not probably not. I'll probably wait for it to come back, uh, come out and uh, <laughs> come out of theaters. Uh, I've known mo- many people have gone to see it multiple times, but uh, it, it's a, it's a great watch. I highly recommend it. Yeah, I think it's coming to HBO Max, I think, in April or May, I think. Oh, really? There we go. Then I'll watch yeah. it again when it happens. Yeah. Um, I saw you got Karen to go with you. Yes. So uh, <laughs> she was feeling well enough to sit through this movie. I honestly thought she was going to hate it. Um, this is usually not her type of movie, but she said she enjoyed it, too. Um, she said it, they could have cut about 20 minutes out of it, and it would have been a much better film. But. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's it's a three-hour movie it is so th- a three-hour movie in, in a movie that long there's always some fat that could be trimmed out of it but i don't know i think it was, it was a lot of long stairs like mm-hmm. I, i'm not overly familiar with matt reeves as a director i know who he is but it's like he was doing these long drawn out stairs between the characters and i'm just like we could shave like five seconds here. Or we can shave like five seconds there. You know, why do, why are they staring at each other? Like this is some sort of dramatic soap opera. I mean, yeah, we get it. Something, something's happening. Let's get moving here. Mm-hmm. Let's start solving the mystery. Um, where would you put Pattinson's Batman on your list now? Cause we kind of had this discussion the, the other day. God, I don't even remember what my original list was. Uh, let's see. Um, for me, it would go bail still bail okay yeah uh, i put bail on top i i i do like it um i think i was one of the few who showed love for batfleck you and josh i think yeah batfleck is josh's favorite yeah yeah he put it number one and i thought that was kind of controversial but he was high up on my list Mm -hmm. um um i don't think though batfleck would go over pattinson this is tough man um bail Bale, Keaton, Pattinson, Batfleck, uh, Kilmer, Clooney. Okay. So Pattinson's like kind of right in the middle. I got all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's right there in the middle. You know, he's not, he's not outrageously awesome, but he's not 
awful either mm-hmm. uh again it's a different interpretation that's the beautiful thing about these different iterations of this character is that each of them has the ability to do something different with the character although technically keaton kilmer clooney all exist in the same timeline um when you talk about the differences though between like bale and batfleck and uh patents and you know bale uh brought this kind of dark brooding sense to the whole character again we had to go through the whole pain of losing uh thomas and martha wayne all over again blah blah i'm so glad they didn't do that in this movie not to ruin this for anybody uh but they they just kind of get to the point in this movie um you know we got to see all that happen and but i also like what ben brought to it because he's older he's a little bit more gritty he's he's seen the worst of the world and that's shaped who he is as Batman. Uh, and now you've got Pattinson, who is kind of uh, bringing, I, I call him, he, I saw a lot of Bale in there, you know, kind of that, you know, dark brooding sense and stuff like that, like, woe is me, but without, without like the Playboy side of it, that, that yeah. was intriguing to me too. You know, he was the first person uh, so far in a Batman movie, in my opinion, that didn't want to embrace the Bruce Wayne side of it. In fact, he was running from the Bruce Wayne side of it. He wanted to be Batman. He did not want to be Bruce Wayne. He did not want the name. He didn't want the responsibilities and the titles that came with it. Stuff like that. He didn't live up to that pl- uh, billionaire playboy status that the other Bruce Waynes slash Batmans did. And I thought mm-hmm. that was very interesting, too. Yeah. He has a much <clears throat> different take on it. Indeed. But anyways, I think we could sit here and talk about Batman <laughs> for a couple hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we probably could. But uh, yeah, that's not why people tuned in, unfortunately. No, no, that is not the movie we're doing this week. Uh, we're actually going to be talking about Sweeney Todd from 2007. Um, but before we do hop into this, besides Batman, Chuck, has there been anything else that you've been watching or doing uh, that's, that's interesting or that you want to talk about? Um, not, I, I really haven't watched much of anything, uh, outside of, uh, what we've been doing for, you know, mine and, uh, Robert's show. Uh, we, we just actually did an episode on the jerk on, uh, there's a good old <laughs> 1970s film for you, Steve Martin. Yeah. Um, he had to, con- Robert had to convince me why it was an actually funny movie because I watched it and just <laughs> didn't, didn't understand. Um, kind of like how the boys over at Portland Peak had to convince me that uh, Dumb and Dumber is a funny movie. Um, <sighs> but like the boys did, Robert convinced me that the jerk is actually funny. So okay. I, I'm, I'm okay. Um, and, uh, but uh, aside from that, I have been doing a, kind of a slow Harry Potter rewatch. Uh, my oldest is finally started to get into it. Nice. So um, I put it on the other day for background noise. And next thing you know, he's over there just like glued to the TV. So I'm like, hey, do you want to watch the second one? Well, yeah. Well, all right, cool. Today we were watching <laughs> the third one. So, you know, nice. Uh, it's a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, that's that's all, honestly about it. Cool. Cool. Nice. What about you, Brooke? Um, I've watched quite a bit this week because I've been kind of on the TV show grind the other week. So I thought I'd watch some movies. Um, <laughs> I watched that movie you recommend Mark called the fallout. Yep. Um, it was really good. Uh, like you said, it, a lot of movies try to push like tragedy and you know, all that stuff like gun shooting and stuff like 
in the movie mm-hmm. and most of the time they don't do it that well but i feel like this one they did a really good job with it yeah uh jenna ortega is amazing too mm-hmm. i know you you love her she's my girl yeah <laughs> <laughs> um also watched a movie called waves um which i highly recommend really good kind of emotional movie like uh the fallout um and the thing i like about this one is it's like based on a black like family in the suburb and the florida suburban area and like the first half of the movie it's on like the brother character and as the story progresses the camera ratio gets smaller and smaller until like this big thing happens with them then it like changes into like a small like square kind of thing really and then it Hmm. switches to the sister and in her story and as she progresses the ratio goes back out throughout the rest of the movie to the full screen that's really uh, cool yeah never seen something like that before so i'd recommend it um and then i watched apocalypse now for the first time (laughs) um, because it's on imdv's list and uh netflix has the redux version which is like three hours and 15 minutes so um yeah it was really good really long but Honestly, one of my favorite war movies I think I've ever seen, to be mm. honest. Pretty intense. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking wild. I watched uh, The Adam Project, the new one with Ryan Reynolds. Is it good? Um, it is okay. I don't know. I feel like I, I, I love Ryan Reynolds, but it seems like he's kind of starting to be typecast. Thank like this, you. Like this one isn't like it's kind of more family oriented and stuff like that, but I don't know, man. He's, I think, starting to get typecast a bit. And mm. it's unfortunate because, like, I wanted him to be back, like, buried and... Uh, Amityville Horror. What's, what's that Safe House movie? Oh, yeah, Safe House, yeah. That Safe was called, House, yeah. yeah, Safe House. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted him to do something different rather than, you know, the same old crap he does. <laughs> like family comedies that he's into now. Yeah, it's just like the same character he plays. And I don't know, I guess maybe since he started doing Deadpool, maybe that just that characters overtook who he is. Um, So I don't know. I absolutely agree 100%. And I felt that way after I tried to watch Free Guy. Um, Mm. I feel like I'm one of the few people in the world who did not like that movie. And I actually never finished it because I just could not force myself to. like I love Ryan Reynolds. Do not get me wrong. I think he's a fantastic actor, but you're absolutely right. He keeps playing the same thing over mm-hmm. and over and over, and it's getting exhausting. Yeah, we need more Amityville horror, Ryan mm-hmm. Reynolds. We need more um, help. As stupid as it was, give me Blade Trinity, like yeah. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. You know, yeah. Give, give me some, give me some of that type of Ryan Reynolds mixed in with everything else. Deadpool is absolutely amazing. I'm looking forward to Deadpool three. They just announced that they got a director for it. It was the guy who directed the Adam Project. Um, and but just like I don't know, Ryan, step out, step outside your comfort zone a little bit mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of horror movies. I watched uh, the remake of Slumber Party Massacre. Uh, it's on Prime Video, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, there was like a couple plot twists, I guess, that changes they made that I didn't really like. Mm-hmm. But the kills were sick, and just you know, sit back, turn your brain off, and just watch the chaos. <laughs> <laughs> 
And lastly, I watched another 2021 horror movie called Night Teeth. Um, it's oh, on, yes. It's on uh, Netflix. Um, and I really liked it, too. Uh, yes. It's kind of like a, a vampire movie. It's kind of like, it's not like teeny, but it kind of has that feel. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of cool cameos. I don't know if they're cameos, but um, yeah, I really enjoyed it, actually. I was pleasantly surprised. Thank you. I loved the backdrop of that movie. It was just like neon lights and it was just, it was almost, it almost felt like, like a vampire story in like Las Vegas on sunset or like on the strip. Did you, did you mention that one last week or before? Uh, Night Teeth? No, I watched that like probably back in November, maybe October. I would have mentioned that, but just like everybody I've asked if they've seen it, nobody's seen it. Just because yeah. it's it's one of those ones that's just easily passed on Netflix because you're like, ah, fuck, I don't want to watch a movie with fucking Debbie Ryan in it. But yeah, yeah, yeah I really like it. Well, yeah, I it just good. added it to my list. So nice. I'll, I'll go check this out. Nice. nice. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. What about you, Mark? Uh, I had a pretty slow week, actually. I watched uh, No One Gets Out Alive. I think... Uh, yeah, I watched that after we recorded, I think, March 8th. Anyways, um, so yeah, I watched that. I liked it better than you did, Brooke. I saw you gave it a pretty low score. But um, yeah, I don't know. I thought, I I don't know what it was. I just had a good time with it. Um, and then I watched Fast and Furious to continue on with my Fast and the Furious uh, watch through. Chuck, your eyes just like went bigger than your head there. <laughs> Well, I was trying. I was trying to figure which one was that one. Fast and Furious is that number four? Yeah, that's number four. Okay, I like number four. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, Josh and I got into it a little while ago, and uh, I was saying that the Fast and the Furious movies are just getting too ridiculous, and they're basically extending the franchises they're needing to. And he disagreed, so I'm rewatching them all. <laughs> <laughs> so no, nothing against josh i love you josh joshy poo um but uh they should have stopped at five in my own yeah this opinion like five was like the most ridiculous you could be without being ridiculous everything after that was just like why are we here Mm-hmm. And I felt that way, especially like especially after um, Paul Walker died. You know, mm-hmm. like Paul Walker's death should have been your sign saying, "Hey, this is the perfect place to end this." Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was the perfect ending to that the movie fork too. in the and road. Like, hey, that, yeah. franchise is over, mm-hmm. and then eight comes, and eight. I saw the submarine, and I'm just like, "This is no longer about cars, guys. This is no longer a car franchise." Do we not realize this? I haven't even seen nine because I got so fed up with eight. Yeah, I haven't seen nine either. I haven't either. It's on HBO Max and they keep trying to push it on me. And I'm just like, no, yeah. no, not today. <laughs> not today, devil. But yeah, I'm going to I'm going to see if uh, if I do find some enjoyment in them as they uh, as I go through them all. And uh, today I started watching a 2021 horror movie called The Deep House. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of people talking about it, saying that it really surprised them that they enjoyed it a lot more than they expected they would. Um, And yeah, so far I, well, so far I have like 17 minutes left of it, Uh, Mm -hmm. but I am enjoying it. I think it's, it's a pretty good movie. It's about this uh, 
like town or something that got flooded. And so now there's just a lake, but underneath the lake is a fully, uh, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Fully preserved house underneath the lake. Hmm. Um, and this couple who are, uh, they're like YouTubers, I guess they go down into the, into the house and it ends up being haunted and shit underneath the lake. So it's pretty cool. Paranormal cool. underwater movie, which is something I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen before. <laughs> so that is unusual. Yeah, it's yeah. an interesting concept. The deep house. All right, cool. The cover art's super fucking cool for it too. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think I think that's all I got. Oh, I started watching uh The Boys Diabolical. Oh, I want to start that. How is that? Oh my God, man. It is fucking insane. They just released the trailer for season three and oh my God, it, it looks fucking nuts. Yeah. But yeah, this diabolical. Oh my God. It's, it's all animated, but it's mm-hmm. so incredibly violent and gory <laughs> and oh, it's so good. And the way that it's animated, it's like a, like an actual kid show. Like, right. uh, um, what was the kid at the start of like, uh, who framed Roger Rabbit? The little baby Herman, baby Herman, baby Herman. Mm-hmm. It, it's like a cartoon style like that. Huh? Interesting. Yeah. But very violent. Um, but yeah, anywho, um, Chuck, before we uh, get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, I forgot to get you to plug your podcast. Well, so certainly go ahead and do that. Of course. Uh, well, I am Jeffrey Chuck Norris. I am one half of the hosting team of Chuck and Ruff Goes to the Movies. My brother Robert Ruff joins me on that uh, show. And we talk about the movies that we love or sometimes don't love. But hey, it happens. But uh, movies that have impacted our lives or influenced our love of other movies in some way, shape or form. Uh, You know, sometimes we have guests on. Sometimes it's just us uh, shooting the shit about uh, what we've been watching. And you can find us on all the major podcast platforms and uh, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for our social medias. Very good. You use the tweeter? I have a love-hate relationship with Twitter. Um, You know, there are days where I'm on there all the time. I'm interacting with everybody. We're just tweeting back and forth and everything. And then there are days where I'm just like, why am I here? Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, I have that feeling about Facebook, too. I, uh, uh, I, I don't spare my... Opinions on Facebook, I, I I would drop it if I absolutely could, but mm-hmm. I I can't yet. But um, how would you share all your wordles if you dropped Facebook? I know exactly. Like, <laughs> how would people ignore my wordles if I didn't put them out there on Facebook? You know? Uh, shit. All right. Um, I guess that's it. We can uh, cue the theme music and hop into this movie discussion. Like we said in the intro, this week we're talking about 2007's Sweeney Todd. But before we do that, what is everyone drinking tonight? 
I am drinking a peanut butter whiskey cola. Oh, interesting. With a little bit of vanilla added. And it's Holy quite shit. delicious. Yes. You fucking fancy boy tonight. I know. <laughs> geez. Peanut butter whiskey cola. Okay, cool. What about you, Chuck? I am drinking a rum, a rum and diet Coke. Uh, it's uh, from a local brewery down here. Well, not in, I'm in North Carolina, but right across the border in South Carolina. Wonderful little spiced rum. Uh, I know that's kind of hard to read. Um, Arethusa, R A R E T H U S A. Okay. Huh. Yeah. It was a it was a birthday present that I finally cracked into a couple weeks ago. Very nice. I'm drinking a bush. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> finally off the bush. Uh, I'm drinking a flying monkeys killer cupcake panda. Nice. Wow. That's Double a lot IP. going on on that can. Right? Man. <laughs> Flying Monkeys is a Canadian brewery. Uh, but yeah, their cans are fucking amazing. It's always crazy artwork on it. Yeah. Their beer is really good, too. That's the important part right there. Is the beer good? I mean. Yeah, it's good. I haven't had a double IPA in a long time. Mm. And here's Brooke drinking quadruple IPAs last week. <laughs> Fucking maniac. He was feeling good after that, I'm sure. Okay, yeah. I guess so. Oh, excuse me. All right, starting off with the synopsis. <clears throat> the legendary tale of a barber who returns from wrongful imprisonment to 1840s London, bent on revenge for the rape and death of his wife, and resumes his trade while forming a sinister partnership with his fellow tenant, Mrs. Lovett. What Can I she just be- say? Yeah, go ahead. I, I would smash Mrs. Lovett. I'm Dude, just saying. Yeah. Hel- Helena, Helena Bond Carter, Carter is just... Oh. I don't know what it is about her. It's not like outlandishly gorgeous looks but there's just something about her like i just i love her and then in this one i don't know what it is either i just mm-hmm. i love her even more she's very uniquely attractive yes mm-hmm. that's a great way of putting it mm-hmm. yep even daniel radcliffe had a crush on her <laughs> as bellatrix lestrange that says a lot about him yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i have the same feelings chuck like pretty much every role she's in i'm just like ah oh, you are gorgeous but in like such a non-traditional way yes it's just like is there something about it i don't know if it's her personality too that comes Mm. across on like she just seems like a genuinely wonderful and beautiful person and Mm. she just like and i think she's a great actress i can't think Mm -hmm. of a role that i've ever seen her in that i don't like yeah so uh but i was actually reading earlier on this um she was pregnant during filming of this And uh, so uh, she had to have the costume designers since they shot the film out of sequence. They had to keep changing her costumes to accommodate her growing breast size and stuff like that. So I don't know. Maybe that's just like the primal man in me thinking like I I took notice of that, especially in this movie. I don't know. That's why they're popping. That's why they They all wore corsets back then, didn't they? Yeah. 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 Um, it always surprised me that her and Johnny Depp never had like a relationship. Well, because she was busy with Tim Burton. Yeah. Johnny Depp's not going to piss off the guy who was keeping him employed, you know? That's fair. <laughs> but I don't know. They just have such great on-screen chemistry. And I mentioned it later on, but 
I just like, they just always they seem do. like someone like yeah. a couple who could actually be a couple. Yeah. I agree, but it's probably because they have that year, the years of working together and like being around each other. I mean, you're like, mm-hmm. so even outside of working together in movies, you know, Johnny's close with Tim, you know, Hella was in a relationship with Tim for the longest time. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they just have that natural uh, camaraderie, I guess. Mm-hmm. So was she pregnant with Tim Burton's kid in, during the filming of this? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It, I think it was their second child. Okay did not know that um but yeah obviously this movie was directed by tim burton uh we've we just did a tim burton movie like two weeks ago i'm not going to go through his credits we do it all the time um (laughs) but i do want to ask chuck what is your favorite tim burton film oh that's tough man um so many great tim burton (laughs) films where do i even begin um Beetlejuice would probably have to be at the top of that list mm-hmm. um, for films he directed, not films that he's obviously just involved with. But mm-hmm. like um, Beetlejuice would definitely be up there. Edward Scissorhands would be up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, even his take on Alice in Wonderland is possibly just an absolutely one of his finest films. Um, yeah, and good. I'm a huge Alice in Wonderland uh, fan. I love the original Disney animated film and i've read the book uh the books uh <laughs> and stuff like that so uh i liked his take on it so but I, yeah beetlejuice we'll just go with that okay brooke have i asked you this before in a previous episode probably i feel like we've done every tim burton movie by now pretty honest. fucking close <laughs> um yeah i don't know uh, beetlejuice uh <laughs> just always grew up with that movie so that's kind of their um I mean, Never Before Christmas, he didn't direct it, even though his name's on it. But mm-hmm. uh, um, and then uh, I love his Batman, uh, especially Batman Returns. Yeah. Uh, before uh, Before the Dark Knight, that was like my favorite. Yeah. One out of all the Batmans. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I was going to go a little off the rails and say Batman Returns. But I mean, pretty much every movie he's directed, I'm a huge fan of. I talked about that during our Corpse Bride. Uh, no, actually, I said Johnny Depp during our Corpse Bride episode. I was like, I, back when I was growing up, like I was such a homer for Johnny Depp. But that in in turn was also like I loved Tim Burton too, just because of his his directing style and and the way that his movies looked. They're just very different and unique, and and not what you were used to seeing, really. So he's always kind of held a place in my my heart for that stuff so that's the great thing about these directors uh you know like tim burton they all have something unique about them that makes you remember who they are and stuff like that so we remember all these wonderful tim burton movies that we grew up with uh quentin tarantino same thing you're like whether you like the movie or not you're going to remember it because of the kind of style that he does you know what directors get lost who don't do anything unique or Mm -hmm. uh just kind of are there repeating what other um what's uh Alfonso Cuaron, one of my favorite directors? Uh, you know, he did uh Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, uh Gravity, mm-hmm. Itumama Tambien, uh, those types of things. And it's just he's an absolutely vision, like a visionary director. And those are the ones that you know you will remember because they each have their unique thing, and that's what mm-hmm. makes Tim Burton great, because he's yeah. just crazy unique. That's very true. 
right, um, let's get back on track here. On track. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on to the cast list, we obviously have Johnny Depp as Mr. Sweeney Todd. Um, again, it's Johnny Depp. We <laughs> don't really need to give him anything. Um, next up is Helena Bonham Carter, who we've already talked about. She played Mrs. Lovett. And we just kind of went through her list uh, a couple weeks ago. So, again, not going to go through hers. Uh, next up is uh, Alan Rickman oh, as Judge rest Turpin. Peace. Rest in peace. He sadly passed away back in 2016. Um, that was kind of like, a, it kind of came out of nowhere. I don't think anybody. Well, he kept his cancer a secret. Yeah. All these years, you know, yeah. it's kind of crazy. Yeah. It seems like a lot of slutteries do that, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I had no idea that, um, you know, going with the Harry Potter thing, Dame Maggie Smith was actively getting treatment for cancer while she was making those movies. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's crazy to me. Yeah. Never knew. Yeah, it's very true. Even like Val Kilmer, like, I didn't know he was sick until I saw the, the trailer for, for Val. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, oh, yeah, my like, what God. Happened? Yeah, like, had no idea he was sick. Um, but anyways, yeah, going back to Alan Rickman, uh, fantastic actor, uh, one of the greats. Um, obviously, Chuck, you've been talking about the Harry Potter franchise. Um, he played Severus Snape in Harry Potter throughout the whole franchise. He also played, uh, I feel like I'm in the minority here, but I love this movie, um, Robin Hood with Kevin Costner. Oh, I love mm-hmm. that movie. He played uh, Prince the of Thieves. Sh- yes, so good. He played uh, the sheriff from Nottingham in that movie, and he did a great job. He was terrifying. Um, oh my gosh, just wonderful! And he's the best thing about that movie. Yeah, yeah. Him and I don't know Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Morgan, yeah, Morgan Freeman's good in that movie. He was too. good. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Uh, I don't played- watch it for Kevin Costner. That's for damn sure. No, 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 no. Um, he also played Hans Gruber in Die Hard. Uh, he was in Galaxy Quest, which is a movie that you, Chuck, just did uh, fairly recently. Yeah. yeah. And he played Marvin in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which was... Uh, I don't know if I like that movie. I, I agree with you there. There are elements about it that I like, um, but then there's just things about it that I, I don't like. I've seen it twice I, I, when it first came out yeah. and then maybe one time a few years later and I'm just like, nah, I can live without this movie. I yeah, really can. same with me. I think I only watched it twice. Yeah. I've heard the book's really good, though. The book is good. Yeah. Um, um, another, sorry, real quick. I yeah. just watched this the other day, so I probably should have listed it. Dogma. Uh, very yes. obscure Alan Rickman role. <laughs> yes. Um, that's one I have not watched in a very long time. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that one before. Oh, man. Oh, it's so good. It's wild. One of Kevin Smith's best. Yeah. Outside yeah. of Clerks. Clerks 2? Oh, Clerks 2 is the best. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. Now I'm thinking about Clerks 2. <clears throat> that's a good one. Great one. Uh, and lastly, I have Timothy Spall, who plays Beetle, who is also in the Harry Potter franchise as Wormtail. Uh, he's in the King's Speech, Alice in Wonderland, Appaloosa, and a series of unfortunate events. And he has like 100, 170, I think, acting credits or 117, something crazy. But uh, a lot. yeah, but 
with that many acting credits, I still only recognize him from Harry Potter. Yeah. And he, and he had such a small role in that movie, in that franchise. I think for us that, you know, we can just reference a lot of stuff back to Harry Potter because of just how influential it was in our generation's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, movie going experience. So yeah, we're going to recognize a lot of these actors and stuff uh, just based off of that alone. But, and so then when we see them in other movies, like, Oh, that's a guy from Harry Potter. Yeah. That's the person from Harry Potter. You know, it's very easy to do. And yeah, that's I true. can't think of anything outside of uh, this movie and Harry Potter that I've seen him in quite honestly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I have a couple of honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming all three of us have this, have at least one of the same ones. Um, Maybe. Maybe, okay. yeah. <laughs> With uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, who played Pirelli. Very good. Yeah. Uh, I forgot he was in this movie. And then he came out and I was like, oh, yeah. He's fucking... And he did it so well. Yeah, I thought... I'll talk about it later, but yeah, I thought he was great. Yeah. It... it Pirelli just kind of fits in with the different character types that Sasha Baron Cohen does. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. saying he's comparable to like Borat or anything like that, but like it has that same sort of like silliness to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I have Jamie Campbell Bauer who played Anthony. Yes. I thought so. You can't, you can't skip over the, I mean, you know, he does play such a pivotal role in this one, mm-hmm. but again, uh, obscure Harry Potter reference. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't recognize him from anything else other than this. He was in Stranger Things as well, but I don't remember his character in Stranger Things. He was? Yeah. According to IMDb, anyways. Hmm. Yeah. He played. Oh, that's why. He's in season four. He's in. Yeah. The season. Okay. Out. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I saw Stranger Things on his list. I'm like, I, who the fuck is he in Stranger Things? Because like, <laughs> I don't remember him at all. It's like, I think I would remember that face. Yeah. Uh, if you watch Twilight Saga, too, he's also in that. Yes. Mm. Yes. Um, he was in uh, Camelot, that TV show about King Arthur. He was in Rock and Rolla. Was he? Yeah. Oh my god, I haven't seen that movie in forever. It might have been a small part, but yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. But he, I thought I recognized him from something else, but it was a different actor, and I don't know who it was, but it was driving me crazy throughout the whole movie. And then I went looking through his IMDb and I was like, okay, this guy's not even in the movie, but I don't, I don't know, I can't remember who it was or what the movie was or anything like that. It's annoying. Hmm. But I don't know. If, do you guys have anyone else for an honorable mention? Yeah, I do. Um, he's not an actor per se, but the writer Stephen Sondheim. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually has like 380 credits under soundtrack, which is insane. Yeah. I'm um, just looking at a few here. He wrote West Side Story, like the yeah. original one and the new one. Um, the new one's on uh, HBO now, so I feel like I, I might watch it. Have you- it's on Disney too. Oh, on Disney. Have you seen it yet? Mm. No. I haven't either. Uh, he wrote uh, Tick, Tick, Boom. A bunch yep. of songs in that. Um, let's see. Uh, he wrote the Frank Sinatra song, Send in the Clowns, which was used on the Joker 2019. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, he has a ton of credits. So. Yeah, Chuck and I were talking about Tick, Tick, Boom before you hopped on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Such a great film. Mm-hmm. 
Have you watched it yet, Brooke? I can't remember. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, I thought it was good. I didn't, <laughs> didn't think it was amazing. I thought, uh, what's his name? Andrew Garfield did an amazing job. And yeah. I mean, he probably won't win any uh, Oscars for it. Um, but, it's a tough category he's in. He's yeah. There's a lot of great competition this year. Right now, uh, I think the front runner is Will Smith. Um, mm. According to uh, everything that I've read, but he still stand, it stands a good chance to kind of come out as like the underdog there. So mm-hmm. he did win. He did win the Golden Globe for it as best actor in a comedy or musical. So, but Will Smith also won best actor in a drama over at the Golden Globe. So there, you got two winners, Golden Globe winners, headed for this uh, one award. And uh, the Oscars have been favoring musicals lately. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know if that trend will continue or if uh, they finally think like same thing with Leonardo DiCaprio. Will Smith is finally doing Oscar. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I don't know if this is Will Smith's Oscar worthy role. I saw the movie and it was while it was good. I don't think it was his best role ever, but what I'm going to commit social suicide here. But what movie is it's, Will uh, King? King, King Richard. Oh, King, King Richard. Richard. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, about Venus and Serena Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was good. Don't get me wrong. He did a great job, but I don't think it was his best performance ever. But the Oscars don't tend to favor people in their best performances ever, you know? So I, I think Will Smith is, uh, he should have won for Ali if he won for anything. But Yeah. Or like seven pounds, or that's a fan. It's such a depressing, but such a fantastic yeah, that movie. movie. It's a rough watch. <laughs> it yeah. is a rough watch, but that one, Will Smith, like gave his all in, mm-hmm. and yeah. even just, pursuit like, of happiness. Care. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, but that's another great one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's ironic that the that the Oscars have been kind of favoring musicals, but meanwhile taking out one of their major musical awards. The Oscars is crazy, man. <laughs> That's why most people have stopped watching. It's just because yeah. of how crazy it's gotten. Yeah. It's like it's not even it's not even a prestige thing anymore to win an Oscar. Like, oh, uh, uh, he's an Academy Award winner. Uh, who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I felt that way after they gave Brad Pitt an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't think he's deserving of one? Not for that role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's for damn sure. <laughs> but that's just me. Yeah. Anyway. All right. You guys are ready to talk about this movie. <laughs> Let's do it. Sorry, guys. I feel like I hijacked the show. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's no, good. No, Going on all, all these tangents here. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, have you guys ever gotten a shave like this before? Yeah. Yes. I have not. Really? No. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. I, I love I it. My first one, like two years ago, maybe, because I was always kind of nervous around those mm-hmm. types of blades. Yeah. Um, but honestly, it's like it's going to a spa, man. Like they put the hot towel down and oh my god, it's so it's relaxing. So rela- yes, it's ab- it's it's the thing I look forward mm-hmm. to every time I go. So my barber, the guy who does my hair, just always cleans up my neck and my like the back of my neck with the razor and everything. I mm-hmm. love the hot towels, the hot shaving cream and everything. It is just it's a it's a pampering experience for men. Nice. Uh, but I remember the very first time I went to him, I was like, listen, I know you're about to pull out a razor blade and I'm going to tell you right now, it makes me nervous as hell. 
to trust somebody around me with a razor blade. And he just, he made the experience worthwhile. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, shout out to you, Devin. I, mm-hmm. You were just absolutely awesome. What's up, Devin? <laughs> What's up, Devin? Yeah. Yeah. It was like always one of those fears. Like, I don't know if it's just me, but it like, if I'm sitting in that chair, then it's like, oh, this guy can literally just make one move and I'm dead. Or like, if I'm like on top of like a patio, like on an apartment building or something like that, and like I look over, I'm like, I can literally just fall off this balcony <laughs> and that's it. That's it. Pretty, oh. pretty comparable experiences for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mark, I highly suggest you find somebody near you, a barber, an actual barber who does that kind of work and yeah. give it a try at least once in your life. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, I definitely want to, for sure. I wanted to get one for my wedding day. Mm-hmm. Um, but then just, it was too crazy of a day. Never ended up getting a chance to, but it's, yeah, definitely on my list of things to do. Hopefully you don't find the Sweeney Todd in your area. Yeah, that would be terrible. <laughs> yeah. If you see a shop for meat pies anywhere near it, just steer <laughs> clear. Uh, I really do love the uh, the place placement of this movie, like the old London feel. Um, I don't know. I just love it. What do you guys think? It's a, it's a very like gothic kind of yes. movie, which, yeah, I love Good it. Good word. Yeah, it kind of like reminds me of, uh, I think, was it Jack the Ripper? Or, um, yeah. Van Helsing, kind mm-hmm. of, and uh, like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, you know, kind of like that old feel. Yeah. Yeah. I was just about to make that Jack the Ripper <laughs> reference. I mean, he was active in that like mid to late 1880, uh, like 1800s there in London. So uh, definitely got that nice kind of creepy feel to it but that that was london too i mean this is before you know the big boom of electricity and everything like that it was london was filthy it was dirty it was kind of uh the lower society looked that way and stuff like that so uh i think uh, tim burton did a great job capturing that mm-hmm. yeah and i love this first song when you get introduced to uh sweeney yeah. it just has anthony by himself like coming on the ship like <laughs> Oh, I'm in London, this beautiful place, and then just like Sweeney comes out of nowhere, just overtakes the song. Is like nah, this no place, place yeah. like London. <laughs> <laughs> this place is a shithole. Yeah, yeah. People are shit or whatever the lyrics are. Yeah. There's a hole in the world like a great black pit, and the vermin of the world inhabit it. Damn, yeah. Chuck, go through the whole soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had quite enough to drink yet. <laughs> uh, so we get a little flashback of, uh, well, not Sweeney. His real name is Benjamin is Barker. Benjamin Barker. Um, now in the uh, synopsis, it says that he ma- he murdered his wife and daughter. No. Did they mention? He didn't. He didn't. Oh, okay. And he actually leaves it- his wife. It doesn't say to have perished. Yeah, it doesn't say anything about murder either. Okay, yeah, because he just because he says that he was arrested for foolishness. Yeah, um, which that's what it was. Well, he was set up, right? Like Judge Turpin set him up. Yeah, because the judge saw his wife and fell in love with her. Yeah, and used his influence at the time as a political figure to maneuver. Benjamin out of the way so he mm-hmm. can swoop in and do his thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Very sneaky. Much like Alan Rickman <laughs> in, in a lot of his roles. Yeah. Which is a shame because he looks like he looked like such a nice guy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he finds Mrs. Lovett's pies on Fleet Street, and this is where he is going to have his uh, barbershop. Um, before we get into this song with uh, Mrs. Lovett, I had a brilliant idea that I think should happen. Oh, God. <laughs> so you know how we have, like, Universal Studios, you know, like, the Marvel side and that? Mm-hmm. What if we had, like, a Warner Bros. studio and had, like, DC on one side, then, like, a Tim Burton kind of theme park on That'd the other? sick. A Tim Burton land. Yeah. Like that it. would be really yeah. cool. Have meat pies on Fleet Street, like... Yeah, exactly. I don't know if I could stomach that. Even though I know <laughs> that like it it would be like real food. I just like the thought, you know, it's like green eggs and ham. Yeah. I can't stomach it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a no, really I just, cool like, idea. Yeah, that even, is a great idea. Even had like, you know, Batman returns and I don't know, I think it'd be dope. That would be awesome. I just I'd like be a, down. a 4D experience with like Batman returns. <laughs> like yeah. not like not like the full movie but like you know how you go to like the, these theme parks and they, they have the 4d theaters at the theme yeah. parks mm-hmm. that'd be so cool mm-hmm. actually we watched the batman in 40x and it was fucking mind-blowing yeah wait 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 back back up here you watched it in 40x yes yeah wow I, yeah. that's awesome dude it was yeah. fucking wild anyways yeah. Don't get back off or off track again. <laughs> no, no, I just that, that blows my mind. The last movie I watched in 4D like that at a theater was Tron, and that was oh, just that one cool. of the most amazing experiences of my life. Yeah, yeah. that would have been sick. Uh, so yeah, uh, Sweeney meets. And that was over in Hong Kong. Oh, <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> we lost him again for a sec. Anyways, yeah, we're here. Uh, so, so yeah, Sweeney meets Mrs. Lovett, and uh, she kind of like drags him into like her store and i just love this whole song um she's basically like ragging on her own pies how <laughs> they're yeah. the worst pies in london and like she use, uses stray cats and <laughs> honestly i think cardi b like wrote this song because the one line she's like popping pussies into pies i just oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, great I think we lost Chuck again. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. There we go. We got you back. Like, I could hear y'all just fine. It's just like y'all froze on me. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. That is weird. Is he frozen again? <laughs> I know. I was like, I'm not frozen again. I'm sorry. I was, <laughs> I was waiting for y'all's cue. You were like very still there. Yeah. <laughs> I could be a human statue. You could yeah. be. <laughs> uh, but I think that this movie is like so different than the movies like we covered the first two movies because this movie is like actually a musical like yeah it kind of just never stops Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah there's more more music than there is like spoken dialogue for sure it reminds me a lot of the phantom of the opera Mm -hmm. in the way that that's done there there's very few spoken lines most of it is just song and music and it's beautiful and i think i think that's the draw too and i think that helps with the flow of the movie too where the more dialogue you have versus the songs it kind of slows down and you're going to start to lose people but the more you sing or the more music there is the more engaging it feels Mm -hmm. to help move the story 
Well, and this, the songs don't feel out of place like they do in, mm. in other movies. No. Like, it's not just like, like we just did Cannibal the Musical. It's not just like a random ass musical number in the middle of them, like walking down the street or something like that. Or through the desert, I guess I should say. Cannibal the Musical. Oh, my God. That was a fun movie. (laughs) Adding it to the list. It's on YouTube, so. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so he kind of meets Mrs. Lovett. um, And there's, like, cockroaches. It's all, like, very dark. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, like, later on, whenever she reopens her pie store, um, it's kind of, like, normal. Like, there's no cockroaches. It's more uh, lit up. And it just it changes a lot. I think it's because like she has this love for Sweeney and I think it's almost like he's breathing new life into her, like just by being back or being there. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, I don't know. Like she expresses her love for him in a couple different songs, but it's not only that. I think despite how she comes off in the beginning, she's a very social creature. So she loves Mm -hmm. the fact that all of a sudden everybody's taking an interest in her pie shop. So how do you attract more people by making the place more inviting and having, of course, not the worst pies in London, you know? So uh, uh, you definitely see that transition happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's that love of Sweeney, but it's also that love of being the center of attention pretty Mm -hmm. much, you know? Well, and with Toby too, right? Like mm. she's kind of taking Toby in as well. She's got a son now. Yeah, she's got a she's got a make believe husband and a make believe son. You know, <laughs> what more, how how much more delusional can you get? You know, <laughs> was her pie shop there whenever he lived there before? No. What I thought it was not hers. Oh. But his 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 shop was above shop was there. there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But her like the Love It Pie Shop itself was not. Mm. Okay. Now whether it was a pie shop before that or like, but she was not there. Yeah, yeah. But she knew yeah. the story. Yeah, because she's like, oh, it really is you. Mm-hmm. And like she kept when he finds or when he goes up there and she's like, Oh, I kept these hidden for you. Like his maybe blades. She was. maybe I've always misinterpreted that. I don't know. Yeah. Cause she hid his blades up there. So obviously she had kind of like an infatuation of him stage five clear like, here, <laughs> like 15 years ago or whatever. Yeah. Um, but also kind of seems like she's using him a little bit to bring up her pie shop. Maybe. Hmm. Well, it was, it was like she's helping him get rid of the bodies. Oh, yeah, that's disgusting. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sweeney Todd is kind of from like the cover of the movie, and you kind of think that he's the villain in this, but he really isn't until later on. It's mm-hmm. it's really Turpin is just this disgusting creep. <laughs> yeah, he basically like kidnaps his daughter, kidnaps both of them. Uh, Lucy is nowhere to be seen, although you kind of have a feeling that she is the crazy lady that's wandering the streets Mm -hmm. of London. Mm -hmm. See, and like, I think the only thing that makes Sweeney a villain is the fact that he's just killing everybody. Yeah. He's killing innocent people, people who just come into his shop to get a shave. Mm -hmm. I mean, he originally set out for vengeance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then he turns into a killer at the behest of someone. 
Yeah. So uh, is he truly the villain? I don't know. I think he he's killing he without... a pawn. Uh, yeah, that's true. Because like he's not killing for purpose at this point. Like because like who s- profits from his killing? Well, yeah, exactly. Mrs. Lovett. Yeah, yeah. She's the villain. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we learn later on too at the very in the very final scene just how far she is in her like villainy. Yeah. She cuckoo for cocoa puffs. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, just like jumping ahead a little bit, you know, to skip a, a scene here. But do you think because Anthony is the one that kind of stops that whole thing from happening with Turpin? Mm-hmm. Do you think that Love It sent him up there to stop it from happening? Hmm. Interesting question. Yeah, I don't know. Anthony Could or be. Toby? It... Huh? Anthony Cause, or Toby? Because Anthony comes in right before he's about to kill Turpin and says like, Oh, I found, found Joanna or whatever. Right. Right. Yes. 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 Because if he kills Turpin at that time, then his vengeance is done. And hmm. he's either going to leave or who knows what he's going to do, but love it. That's yeah. interesting. I've never that's, thought yeah. about that. Damn Brooke. dropping the like mind-blowing bombs over here my god i don't know i don't know what to think anymore Hmm. because she does deceive him at the end as well right oh yeah definitely she does she she's like the whole jar jar binks is actually a (laughs) thing going on here my god just you don't want to believe it but it makes sense yeah huh she's the puppet master yeah definitely i I can i can see it for sure i see it Yeah. yeah I like what you're thinking, Brooke. All right. Maybe we'll revisit this later on. <laughs> uh, so where are we? Um, yeah, Turpin is a creep because Anthony is outside of Joanna's window. He sees her singing and stuff. And then you see like this picture move from the wall and he's like creeping on her. And, you know, yeah. she's like 15 or 16 years old. It's like, dude, what the hell, man? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, Lucy dies, and then all of a sudden he turns all of his attention to Joanna, who, I mean, she's extreme, well, she's underage, but, like, back in the 1800s, it's probably less of a of an issue than it would be now. I was about to say the same exact thing, you know, like not to sound like, you know, we're condoning this type of behavior now. It's like, this is not the norm today, but back then, I mean, children, and I say children because that's what they are now, 13 to 15 to 16 years old. I mean, they were out there getting married, having children, fighting wars and stuff like that. Nothing compared to what, you know, we went through as teenagers now mm-hmm. and so i like well teenagers are having children nowadays but still you know um you know getting married and stuff like that being in relationships being the home bodies uh, that's not unusual for that time period it's only uh as time has progressed that we started putting in these law lo- well-needed laws about <laughs> mm-hmm. age of consent age of mm-hmm. marriage like age of adulthood all those fun things yeah yeah, because like back in those days, you know, the uh, the death age, you know, was like very low compared to now. Yeah. Like, you know, people are dying, you know, when they're 25 or 30 years old, like that was just normal. You got to get started early. Yeah. yeah. 
Does it ever mention in the movie when Lucy died? It never actually mentions she dies. Or like, I guess, disappears. Like, yeah, I don't think I don't remember hearing it never really talks about it because, you know, again, when Sweeney's telling the story or Benjamin, however you want to refer to him, is telling the story, he's telling it via hearsay, mm-hmm. what he's learned over the years. So he's only assuming at this point about her demise and stuff like that because she kind of fell off the face of the planet, uh, you know, but I don't think they've really have ever talked about it. And, you know, it's it's an accelerated timeline when telling the story, too. I mean, uh how much time passed between the time Benjamin Barker was arrested and sent away to the time that Judge Turpin actually swooped in mm-hmm. and called her to that masquerade party that he was holding. How much time hap- uh, went from that point to the point where she kind of disappeared and he took Joanna in as his ward, you know, so on and so forth. I mean, this all takes place in a span of, what, 15 years because Joanna's a baby at the beginning of that story and then she's 15 years old and here. So, I mean, we're only talking about a 15 year time span, but what are we talking about during that time span? You know, that's kind of hard to pinpoint because they never actually give us concrete um, data points on that. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of all over the place because we know that uh, Benjamin or whatever, he's gone to jail, but in one of his songs before, like, or later on, I think he mentions that like he's traveled all over the world and stuff like that. So in maybe 15 that's, years, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know maybe that's like before he came to London. I'm wondering if like, cause he got shipped off to Australia, but I'm wondering if they like moved him all over the place or if, because like from London to Australia, like you have to make stops at ports. I'm assuming along the way. Like yeah, if you're he, gonna go by Africa and all that other yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'm wondering if he means that. Because like you're not just gonna do a straight stretch from from London to Australia. But it could be one of those things too. Like he's taken on a whole different identity as Sweeney Todd and stuff like that. So he could also be taking in stories that he's heard from other prisoners that he's worked with and stuff like that mm-hmm. and created this whole persona. It's like so he's He's seen the, you know, he too has sailed the world and seen its wonders uh, for the cruelty of men is as wondrous as Peru. You know, he may not actually know that, but he mm-hmm. has gotten those experiences secondhand. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, because like chances are you're not going to stop off in Peru. Yeah. Like, what does he know about Peru? Mm-hmm. Where, when have you yeah. been to Peru? <laughs> Unless like how long is, how long was he in, in Australia for? We don't know. Right. Again, we got this 15 year window. Yeah. No telling like how long he was there. And that's back then travel on the open seas was a lot longer than it takes now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like how many months were they at sea to either a get him to Australia or B get him from Australia back to London, you know? Yeah. That's going to transition into uh, the new character we meet um, Adolfo Pirelli. (laughs) who is played by Sasha Baron Cohen who we find out later his real name is actually Davy Collins and he was kind of a temp for uh, Benjamin (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah so they hear that he's the best barber in London and I really love this whole scene with like the miracle elixir song and uh, back in those days like 
that kind of hair growth was a thing that people would like just go around selling and oh, yeah, all these like medicines that people would try and sell. It's uh different it's tonics and all this stuff. Yeah. I love Toby. And that kid is so amazing. Yes. He's, he's played by Ed Sanders and he's, he only has three acting credits. Um, but I thought he was amazing and it, like a really good singer too. Yeah. An interesting casting choice in this because in all the stage productions, Toby was actually an adult. Oh, really? Who was played with us, you know, as special needs. Um, oh. Yeah, I was kind of reading into that a little bit. Uh, actors like Neil Patrick Harris have portrayed him on a stage and stuff like that. Uh, this is the first time they've actually portrayed the character as a child. Okay. And hmm. I, I think it worked well. Mm-hmm. I think so too, yeah. So, like in the stage shows, does uh, Mrs. Lovett does she, like she brings in like a disabled adult? Then, yeah, that's what it yeah. is. Okay, basically, she you know like she takes him in under her wing and stuff like that. So he's he's the helper around the meat shop and everything, or the pie, meat shop pie shop and <laughs> stuff like that. Just like he is in the movie. Okay, everything is the same except just the age. Okay, and and I I think the the key thing here was casting such a strong kid mm-hmm. and that's what what he was like once he's on screen he commands the screen he's yeah. a great little singer like y'all said uh he just like he, you're drawn immediately to him mm-hmm. when he's there mm-hmm. yeah and i think it's more believable as a kid yeah but- and i love this whole song too because it starts off like they're passing around his elixir and uh sweeney's like looking at it, he's like this is piss <laughs> <They're just> like, <laughs> like piss. piss and ink <laughs> And they're just like <laughs> making fun of it the whole time. Are we yeah. standing near a sewer? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like Adolfo is like, who says this tastes or looks like piss and smells like piss? And, you know, Sweeney just pipes up and then it turns into this ridiculous shave off, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I challenge you to a shave. <laughs> Whoever and, has the closest. Uh, what was it? It was whoever has the closest shave, right? Closest uh, and fastest. Yeah, yeah. fastest. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Beetle is there. He's by himself. And uh, Sweeney is going to kill him because he has like this little holster for his knife. I guess he just <laughs> carries around. Uh, but then uh, uh, Lovett stops him. And then they have this uh, kind of shave off to, I don't know, determine, I guess, who's the best in London. Mm-hmm. Um and Adolfo is just like singing the whole time, and then you know Sweeney's just standing there, and then he just do 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 do. Can I can I mention the kind of the parallels of the Beetle character to the p- character that he played in the Harry Potter franchise? Here, you know, he's riding the coattails of somebody who is far superior than him, holds the authority and stuff like that, just like Peter Pettigrew did. You know, he was the outcast, the person who didn't fit in with the rest of the marauders. He rode their coattails, uh, but he always latched on to whoever was the strongest in his opinion. So in this case, it's it was Judge Turpin. He, mm-hmm. you know, he latches on to Judge Turpin, whereas in that case, in the Harry Potter world, he abandons his friends to go to Lord Voldemort. And uh, I, I just can't help but notice those parallels, like mm-hmm. almost like he didn't even have to change an acting style in order to play. He's just playing the same role. Yeah, that's in true. All of it. And again, worked well. I think, I think he just has that face. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's just getting typecasted at this point. 
Fair. But it works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Anthony comes to Sweeney, tells him about Joanna. Uh, he wants to like save her. She like tossed him a key. So Sweeney like agrees to help him out um, to bring her back to his place to hide out. Uh, and then Adolfo shows up and you find out that his name is Davy Collins and he uh, blackmails Benjamin because he knows that he's Benjamin, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then he, Adol- or Benjamin beats the shit out of Adolfo with a kettle. Dude, that scene was fucking brutal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I only watched the movie for the first time a few years ago and like I didn't know how like bloody and like kind of violent it would be but mm-hmm. this movie does get very violent yeah and bloody yeah um so yeah, he beats with the kettle stuffs him in a uh a trunk chest <laughs> trunk and then uh toby comes up because he's still working for him and then sweeney tells him oh yeah he's gone so his like fingers like sticking out and then he tells toby to go downstairs to ask uh love it for some gin yeah. I mean, the kid's like 12 years old and, you know, <laughs> whatever, I guess it was those days. Yeah. Um, and then Sweeney opens up the chest and just slits Adolfo's uh, throat. Because he was still alive. He was, yeah, he was getting out. He was getting mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And uh, Lovett comes up and sees that he did this. And she's like, oh, my God, like you killed someone. And he's like, well, he's about to blackmail me and then she's like oh well okay that makes sense <laughs> we're gonna start putting them in my pies now yeah like, oh that's some good meat there hmm. <laughs> and sweeney wanted to actually kill toby but yeah. love it kind of convinces him to let him work for her mm-hmm. again it's that makeshift family she's just as delusional as the rest of them yeah yeah if not more so so now uh turpin shows up to get his shave and I don't know why uh, Sweeney just didn't kill him right when he got there. Like he kind of savored it, I guess, a little bit. And restraint, then, a lot of restraint. It's such an awkward song. Is that the Beautiful Women song? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't understand. I'm kind of with Brooke. I don't understand why he wouldn't have just done it right there. Because he gets so pissed after. Because Anthony, Anthony comes in yeah. and then he like loses it and he's like, that was my chance. Like he's never going to come back here again. How am I going to get my revenge? Mm-hmm. Never mind. I thought I had a thought. Sorry, guys. Okay. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> and this is the point where you really get the character turn for Sweeney and maybe that Benjamin's gone now. Mm hmm. And now it's uh, he's made that transition into Sweeney Todd. Yeah, he's just full blown into the character now. And this is where they kind of have the uh, thought to start killing people for Lovett's pies. Mm. And uh, I think this is the song where they're like talking about, oh, like the pasture. And then they're like, oh, kill the actor. I think it was this song. Maybe it was later. I trying to remember which song it is even. They're all blending together in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was even listening to the soundtrack while I was typing up my notes earlier. <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, imagine being one of those people that just you know come to our shop for a pie, and yeah, you have no idea that it's fucking humans. Yeah, 
Oh, I'm trying to trying to think of like a comparison to what it would like. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> and like I don't know how well that they she grinds it up because later on, fucking Toby finds like a toe mm. in it. Yeah, yeah. That, so that didn't make a lot of sense, quite honestly. I'm just like, how do you go from doing such a great job grinding up all this meat and things like that to a toe or you know an appendage mm-hmm. all of a sudden appears? Like, how are you just getting sloppy? Uh, and it could very well be that she was getting sloppy because of how busy the shop was getting. You know, she was just trying to churn out pie after pie, meat after meat, blah 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 blah. blah. <sighs> And uh, but still, it's just like I don't know. There was something about that that was just kind of like that was a little too convenient of a plot point to start turning the story. You know it what I mean? It could also be like at the rate that Sweeney is killing them at this point too, because it's like true. He was like killing everybody coming into yeah, the shop. Damn it! It was like she just the door slice. <laughs> can't keep up with the bodies at this point. She could yeah. say, "Hey, dude, slow down. We're good until like <laughs> yeah. we're good through March." You yeah. know what I mean? I have enough meat here to feed all of London. Yeah, because like they're like freezer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because their restaurant's like full. Like they got you know the patio outside set up and yeah, and then nice she has to flip the sign. It says sold out, and then one last guy comes up and there's another one. <laughs> and, like bell uh, rings and oh oh never mind we got yeah, it yeah. Uh, and the crazy lady is kind of hanging around here um, more often now. She, I think she kind of knows. Do you think that she recognizes Benjamin? Yes. No. Okay. Oh, Ooh. we got differing opinions here. I say no because she smells the the burning bodies coming out of the pie shop, and mm-hmm. she's she's calling uh, Mrs. Lovett a witch. Mm-hmm. And it's not until she gets up close and personal with Sweeney Todd that she says, don't I know you from somewhere? She's paying no okay. attention to Sweeney up until she gets up into his barber shop. Okay, that's fair. All right, that's fair. I will concede to that. Absolutely. Because I, I was going off that basis that, you know, she was able to see him and be like, don't I know you? And I'm about to get really sappy here. Love recognizes love. So, mm-hmm. like, if you believe in that whole soulmate deal, <laughs> it's like, despite the changes he's gone through in his looks and stuff like that, there's still a part of Benjamin that exists in him, and she recognizes that. And vice I mean? versa. Yeah, absolutely. She's completely lost her mind, but she, there's still a part of her that's that's in there. If it is truly her, you know? Well, yeah. it was. It was, yeah, I know. But still. <laughs> at that oh, point, at that point it? it wasn't known. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Because even if you would have taken like, I think, uh, a few seconds longer to really like look at her. Yeah. Because like he does it quick. Like she's up there and she's in the shop and then, you know, he's just like, who are you? And then like just slits her throat like <laughs> very quickly. But, but that's he, the impulsiveness of him, mm-hmm. you know. He, he's just and fully that's in the Sweeney it. Todd. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I love his chair too that he built. Yeah, a little contraption oh, that goes oh, down. Yeah, and the guys just like fall on their head. That's on like the, the bricks, and like I know that they're dead, but it's like, oh man, that that's one thing that I wanted to bring up too. I love that it doesn't slide forward, like it mm-hmm. slides back, slides back. Yeah, it's like. Uh, it's like the double tap in Zombieland 
right? Like he slit their throats. <laughs> like you know that they're dead, but that fall is gonna really fucking kill them. Mm-hmm. I read that the uh, set designers actually designed that chair to be a working chair to do exactly what it was. So um, the actors who were sitting in that chair actually were slid back through a trap door down below the set. Oh my god. That'd be sick. Would not just like that would creep me the hell out. Yeah, you know, yeah. like obviously you got to have a lot of trust on a movie set that they're going to take care of you or something like that. But my god, I don't know if I would be comfortable sitting in that chair. And the next thing I know, I'm being flipped backwards and thrown through a trap door. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. We can't even trust Alec Baldwin not to kill us on set. So I mean, my god. Jesus <laughs> oh Christ, <Chuck>. wow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he went there. Um. All right, so yeah, jo- uh, Joanna is in uh, Fogg's Asylum. Um, Turpin sent her there whenever she he caught her kind of packing up. Uh, obviously, she didn't want to be there anymore. So he sends her to, I guess, an insane asylum or something. I don't know. It is a weird place because whenever Anthony goes there, the like doctor or whatever is like, Oh, this is where I keep, you know, the dark haired girls, the brown haired girls. And mm-hmm. this is where I keep the blonde haired girls. And I don't know what exactly that place was. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Creepy. <laughs> it's it's almost like a like a brothel in a sense, but in an insane asylum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and oh, this is the song I was thinking of earlier of Mrs. Lovett talking about her pies and mm. whenever uh sweeney's in there he's like oh what's this one she's like oh that's an actor it's like uh <laughs> runny and then she's like oh this one and he's like oh that tastes like this mm-hmm. and then uh toby is singing the song too and it's very similar to how he was singing the elixir song yeah yeah like it was the same kind of tone because you find out that he was found at a work camp or something like that yeah um so yeah that's where he was his whole life basically um and then the song of them like kind of talking about their future and stuff were they actually on that picnic like in the country like under the tree or is that part of the song it's part of the song it's all part of the fantasy yeah okay because i was gonna say because like in the countryside it was like you know blue skies and and sunny and colorful but then like in london it's just like dark and drab it's all part of her delusion it's all part of her idea of the life she wants to have with sweeney with Mm -hmm. toby you know uh that's why it's colorful that's why it's bright it's supposed to be just illusion yeah illusion of her delusion Mm mm-hmm and this scene reminds me. That's where me, you. Re- I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say that's where you really start start to see some of the Tim Burton quirkiness come out because, yeah. uh, you know, it's bright and everything like that, but he's still throwing in, you know, like his black and white swimsuits and stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, a lot of that, uh, you know, Sweeney and uh, you know, they're both they're all pale, like they're they're all mm-hmm. pale, they're all dark, they're all drab against mm-hmm. this bright background and stuff like that. Uh, it's just absolutely wonderful cinematography. Yeah, yeah that's what I was gonna say too. Like it, it reminded me so much of uh Edward Scissorhands, like mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the colorful town, and then you just see uh Edward and his black and you know, crazy hair, and then in this, like they're on the beach and he has this like 
black and white thing he's just like sitting there staring ahead in the nothingness <laughs> and, he, and he just looks like he hates life like johnny <laughs> depp just wants to like yeah. like i want to be on a killing spree right now you yeah. know yeah just absolutely hates life it's funny oh i totally felt him whenever there she's like oh we can every sunday we have our chumps over and he just like gives her a look like uh no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah back in the real world uh Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Sweeney <laughs> wants Toby <laughs> to drop a letter off to Turpin. Um, now, I didn't catch exactly what was in the letter. Do you guys know roughly like how they got him to come? I don't have anything in my notes about it. I don't have anything on my yeah. notes about that either. I've yeah. little obscure mm-hmm. fact that kind of got overlooked. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, he gets Turpin there uh to come back um but before that toby kind of knows what they're doing there like i don't know he doesn't fully know but i think he kind of has an idea that something's not right kind of like the old woman she he's got his suspicions because things are just like you know he's observant you know he's that background character who's always kind of watching and looking Mm -hmm. and stuff like that even though you don't think about it and all of a sudden he's starting to piece it all together I yeah, think because uh, he's with um, Mrs. Lovett and she pulls out the the coin purse or whatever that she takes from uh, Adolfo and Toby's like, hey, that's that's Adolfo's. And she's like, oh, no, it must have like the same one or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then she locks them in the fucking baking room they have in the little dungeon down there. I think he sees her as the victim in it all because he sings he sings that love it yeah because he sings that song about how he's always going to protect her and everything like that so like it it almost seems to me anyways that he thinks that sweeney is the one in charge of this whole operation yeah he 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 sees sweeney as the threat as the Mm -hmm. actual villain of the story which is a great great way of sidetracking the whole view of the entire story because that just means everybody sees like they're all pointing fingers at each other. It's the Spider-Man meme. They're yeah. all pointing fingers at each other like you, 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 this and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it really throws off the scent as to who the actual villain of the story is. Yeah. In which case, I guess we could go back and label almost everybody a villain in this story, except for maybe Anthony, Toby and Joanna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is strangely enough, the three, not to ruin this, but the three survivors of our story here. That's true. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah so Beetle gets killed. He ends up wandering into the barbershop and uh, Sweeney takes care of him. Thank <laughs> God. <laughs> um, and I don't know how Toby, when he's down there, like he doesn't notice all of this stuff until after he bites the pie and finds the toe. Hmm. Like she locks him in there, but he's she's like, "Oh, can I have a pie?" And she says, "Oh, you can have all the pies you want." And he doesn't really make anything out of it. Like she locks him in there, but I don't know. I want to know what her plan was for him. Like if That's she's locking question, if she's locking him down there, she knows he's going to see this stuff, or she would assume, anyways, that he would. I feel like this may have worked better in like the play. Because she hires like a, a disabled person. Yeah. So maybe like they wouldn't really know better. I don't know. 
or maybe she's just thinking like who's going to believe a kid over an adult i don't know that too i mean like this kid is a nobody who comes from nowhere like so if he even goes manages to get out and goes running to the police like who's gonna who's gonna believe a word he's saying Mm -hmm. versus uh an established, I'm not going to call her a socialite, but an established business owner mm-hmm. in London who ha- runs a very popular you know, like pie shop, you know, or maybe- like, oh, yeah, they're serving bodies. They're serving bodies. Yeah, <laughs> that's what's in the pies. Just like, oh, yeah, shut up, kid. You know, yeah. you don't know anything. Get the hell out of here. I'm wondering if maybe she knows that he has nowhere else to go so she can like easily groom him into being. Like they're, but they're locking helper. him in the dungeon, though. I don't know if that. I don't know if that would be conducive to her grooming plot. I, I like where you're going with this idea mm-hmm. of grooming him into. Maybe that, but I, I mean, like, maybe she's only such an odd him. way to introduce him to how the business actually works. Yeah, or is she just locking him in there for now? Like, I'm gonna toss yeah. you down here, and then I'm gonna come right down, kind of thing. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Again, just uh, it, it was a necessary part of the story, but maybe kind of like an abrupt <clears throat> like part of the story where you just like we, we could question the motives behind why she did it, yeah. but it needed to happen in order to help the story propel forward. Yeah. It's, hmm. I'm going to be thinking on that one for a while. So Joanna makes it back with Anthony and they have her dressed like a, a boy um, to kind of hide her. He puts her in the trunk and then Anthony leaves. Um, And this is where Sweeney finds Lucy, uh, his wife, in there and he kills her. And I don't think he notices, he doesn't realize it at this point that um, it's Lucy. But I think that in that moment, right when he slices her throat, I think she knows that he's Benjamin. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. where she says, "Don't I know you from somewhere?" Don't know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, real quick, I want to go back and talk about this escape from the <laughs> asylum that uh, Anthony did with uh, Joanna here. So, in the original screenplay, I was—I've re- never actually seen the original play, but I've read up on it. So, apparently, in the original uh, play, Joanna's the one who actually does a majority of the work in her own escape here. So Anthony shows up there. Every intention of killing the guards and stuff like that to help her escape, he can't bring himself to do it. She takes possession of the gun and actually kills the guards. Okay. So she can help with the escape. In the movie, they gave her a more passive role in this. And I just like, I was always wondering about, once I learned that, I was like, why this big change? You know, I think it shows a lot on Joanna's character that she's willing to do anything to survive. Uh, and I feel like it makes her seem a lot more helpless. And mm. she like she needs a man in her life to help her get like get out and stuff like that. Whereas she took charge and she's like, hey, I'm ready to get out of here. Bang. You know, uh, mm-hmm. so why that change? What Sex- do you all think? Sexism in Hollywood. That that's fair. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's fair. Quite honestly, like this is the height of Weinstein's power. So I'm just saying, you know, yeah, sexism yeah. Hollywood exists. <laughs> yeah. Never give women too much power. Just saying. no. 
We've, we already have one strong female in this movie. That's all. That's all we can handle. Yeah, we don't need two. They just fight each other. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think maybe like Hollywood just loves that damsel in distress. Yeah, it sells. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I did like how I, after he gets her out, and then they just like okay, see, ya. and then all the other girls like just fucking attack the the doctor or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, getting back to the barber shop. Um, so yeah, uh, Sweeney finds Joanna in the uh, in, uh, what's it called? The trunk. The trunk. Thank you. <laughs> and he's about to kill her because he thinks that uh, she's a boy. But then um, he hears, I think, Love It scream. So he lets her go. And then he runs down there. And I guess Turpin was kind of alive still, maybe. <laughs> or like holding on to his last breath, maybe. Have we Just... talked about the Turpin kill yet? I don't think so. so. We haven't. We skipped over the Turpin kill. We talked about the luring to get him there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And then somehow we got onto Toby and being locked into the basement. So yeah, we we haven't quite gotten to Turpin yet. Yeah, that was a brutal kill. That was. Yeah, this is the only kill. Well, he has brutally massacred him twice now. (laughs) 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 He smashes him. No. You're, oh, you're no. thinking, yeah, I'm you're thinking, thinking of, of yeah, yeah, Pirelli. Yeah, never, mind, never mind. Yeah, yeah, Um, but yeah, he he doesn't slit his throat right away. He stabs him in the neck like five or six times and yeah. then slits his throat. The, the, this is that emotion. Like, this is the moment, this is what he set out to do. Yeah. Vengeance. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just going to be some sort of easy, let's send you down to the basement. This is going to be like, I am taking 15 years of emotion at mm-hmm. myself, 15 years of emotion out on you. And it was, it, it was pretty brutal. And I, like, I'm not letting this moment pass me by again. Like I did mm-hmm. earlier. No, I'm going to savor this. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how he, how he persuades him into the chair too. Because he plays the nice guy. He plays on Turpin's feelings and says, like, oh, Joanna has repented. She she knows that what she did was wrong. Uh, she wants to be back with you. And Turpin is just like, you can see his whole demeanor just sort of change. And he's happy. He's more relaxed in that, in that barbershop. And then Sweeney Todd's like, come on over for a shave. Yeah. While I stab <laughs> your jugular. <laughs> All right, guys. I have to ask. Do you all get on tiktok at all yes often (laughs) have you all seen the new trend where everybody's doing the videos like i was thinking with my dick uh oh my god so that immediately just popped into my mind just like you know that's how he got judge turpin to really turn around all of a sudden Uh, i was thinking with my dick Uh, okay god (laughs) y'all need to if y'all come across these videos they're absolutely hilarious well the uh, internet's listening now so i'm sure it'll pop up here yeah exactly yes um so yeah turpin's dead now uh he goes down there sweeney does with um to find uh mrs lovett and uh benjamin or not benjamin uh toby is kind of like hidden somewhere down there and this is where he finds out that lucy was the crazy lady her like hat fell off and he sees that it's her 
Mm-hmm. And this is where you find out that Lovett, she may have lied to or may not have, because she... she said that she was poisoned or had heard she was poisoned. She told a half truth. She omitted yeah. part of the truth. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is where she admits that like, oh, she loves him. She's loved him, you know, for 15 years, even before um, he was with Lucy. Cause she says like, I would have been, she or Lucy was like half the wife I would have been or something like that. And then this kill is just fucking brutal. Like he just snaps and just shoves her in the oven. Like, holy shit. What a way to die. I think I'd much rather have my throat slit. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even want to die that way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So he tosses her in then he goes over to Lucy and is like holding her. And then Toby just comes up from behind and slits his throat. Mm-hmm. And I just love this final shot. I just get the blood like pouring out of his throat and is going all over Lucy and stuff. And mm-hmm. it's it's beautiful in a weird way. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. It's poetic. <laughs> yes, that's mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that, that's the word to do it. Like, you know, Sweeney has just spent half of this movie killing innocent people and people who deserved it. Let's and, be honest. And killing Lucy. Yeah. And killing Lucy. I mean, just like he met the demise uh, that he deserved the demise that he inflicted on so many other people. And, and I, that just means the whole story comes full circle for him anyway. And after this realization, probably the demise that he wanted, mm. he joined his wife in death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the three kids are alive still. What do you think is their story going forward? Toby runs away and joins the circus. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> far away from uh, Mrs. Lovett's pie shop for that's yeah. for damn sure. Uh, and then Joanna and Anthony, uh, they leave London, leave everything behind and they go and travel the world and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hopefully don't die on the Titanic. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like they could I I don't know. This took place in the 18 what 40s, right? 40s, yeah. Yeah, there's no way they would have been alive for the Titanic. But still, you know, they went out and traveled the world and kind of just got away from everything that, you know, all the demons. Yeah. The, you know, they had to get away from the literal demons of Fleet Street in London. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I want to believe happened. Toby grows up to be Alfred Packer from <laughs> Cannibal the musical. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, All right now, I gotta definitely see this movie. It's based on a true story, Chuck. Oh my god! Oh, I don't know if that makes it better or worse. Eh, just watch the movie <laughs> on YouTube. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. free on YouTube. Yeah. All right. Um. All right. Well, anything else that you guys want to mention or uh, talk about? Yeah, uh, I think we've done the uh, actual movie discussion part. Justice here. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Well, that's the way the shaving cream splatters. Oh, oh, I like it. In a movie where you could have easily used blood and you switch yeah. to shaving cream, I, I like it. I mean, he even like describes it. the blood as rubies, but you went with shaving cream and it's just beautiful. <laughs> I like it. Thank you. All right. Are we ready to rate this movie? We will try our yes. damnedest. <laughs> all right chuck as our guest would you like to go first 
sure. So uh, I believe story is up first, right? On a scale of one to 10. Yeah. I give the story a 10. Nice. All right. I Very love, nice. I love this story. It's absolutely mm. intriguing. It's beautiful. It's scary. It's just, um, it captures you. You want to know what happens from beginning to end. And that's the beauty of the story. The begin. that's the beauty of that first song. That's why this, that first song is so powerful. Mm. It introduces you to the idea that it is Sweeney Todd. Now I need to say that I also know that that first song in the movie is not the original first song of the stage play. Okay. Uh, but I think they did a good job omitting that original first song of the stage play and just going directly with this one because it, Again, you you know you're under time constraints here. Uh, this was before you know it was okay to do three hour movies, the Batman. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it just it encaptures you, and you just you want to see how it all ends. Every single gory detail, and I just don't think the story disappoints at all from beginning to end. Uh, sure, it's got a few plot holes that we've talked about, and some things that we they could have been done differently, but in the end, it's just like, I can't help but love it mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, nice. And what about your quality? Quality, I'm going to, um, I gave it a 10 on the story. I have to give it a 10 on quality. I just, again, just very well, the whole, the way it was, I mean, having never seen the stage play, the stage play of Sweeney Todd, um, only again, uh, just getting obscure references to it and having to read up on it. And the obscure references I'm talking about is, uh, the show, the office where they actually did an entire episode where Andy stars yes. as yes. Anthony and Sweeney Todd. But, um, you know, just like, but, uh, just understanding what the stage play was versus this, uh, movie and things like that. I feel like they, the quality was done real well and nobody else could have told this story story except for tim burton yeah. quite honestly mm-hmm. i mean he has just enough of that quirky finesse to bring this type of story to life without making it too over the top or watering it down and stuff like that in fact the reason that he really wanted to do the story is that he felt like the stage play could never do it justice, you know, as far as like the blood and the gore and stuff like that. Mm. That's why there is so much blood and gore in this, because he felt like that's what the stage play always lacked. Mm. Uh, so quality wise, this this movie is just wonderful from beginning to end. And yes, it has people in it that he is used to working with and stuff like that. But they went through all the proper channels. Steven Sondheim had final say of who was cast <laughs> in this film. Um, Johnny Depp had to audition for him singing voice and all uh mm. helena bottom carter apparently sent 12 tapes of her singing to prove that she was able to do this role wow. um sasha baron cohen apparently sang the entire soundtrack of fiddler on the roof huh. really? to get this role so you know <laughs> wow. just like when you when you look at all the love that went into this and in the end i think giving it a 10 speaks for the fact that this is the only adaptation of a Stephen Sondheim project that Stephen Sondheim actually approves of. Really? Just throwing that out there. Shit. Wow. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I'll go ahead. I was going to say, there's a lot of actors in this movie that like you wouldn't think would be able to pull it off. Like, but it Sasha, like, yeah, no, exactly. Like Sasha Baron Cohen, how you mentioned Alan Rickman, he doesn't have the greatest singing voice, but he has his voice is like so menacing and deep and dark. Mm-hmm. 
that it just I'll, works. Yeah, Alan Rickman embodies the character of Judge Turpin. So mm-hmm. even though his singing voice isn't exactly the greatest, yeah. you you can appreciate the effort that he put into it. It's not like uh, I don't know. Have y'all ever seen Mamma Mia? Uh, no, no, and I never okay. will. All right, uh, that's fair. That's fair. You have to be a fan of ABBA to really appreciate Mamma Mia. But Pierce Brosnan cannot sing. All right, guys. So watching him sing in this was absolutely painful. So at least it wasn't that. You could appreciate what Alan Rickman was yeah. trying to bring to the role. He wasn't the greatest singer. He wasn't the worst singer either. So just saying. Uh, he just, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just thought of this uh, question. I don't think we've asked it on any of our episodes yet. But where do you think Tim Burton would be if Johnny Depp was not around if like Johnny Depp wasn't an actor, like because or, he's the lead star in you know a majority of Tim Burton's movies. I actually have a controversial view on this. Okay. All right. I truly believe that Tim Burton would be exactly where he is now. Where would Johnny Depp be? Exactly. Johnny mm. Depp, I don't think, would be where he is now without the help. Of somebody like Tim Burton propelling his career, believing in Johnny Depp, like they're they're not all hits. Ed Wood, as funny and quirky as that movie is, is not a hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Johnny Depp, I felt, did a great job with what he was given. But you still have roles like Edward Scissorhands. You still have this. You have Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, you know things like that. You know Tim Burton put a lot of faith into Johnny Depp, and I really feel like he helped propel Johnny Depp beyond his. Uh, nightmare on elm street you know yeah role you know and stuff like that johnny depp is a household name despite what you may think of him personally no matter what side of that story you want to fall on you know yeah. he's still he is a household name he is a wonderful actor uh pirates of the caribbean probably helped out a lot too but yeah. he wouldn't have been the actor he was in pirates of the caribbean without tim burton helping to put him on the map or Many could probably say what's eating Gilbert Grape, but I was going to throw that out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's more a Leo performance, though. That's more. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. You know, like you when you think of what's eating Gilbert Grape, I always think of Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't think mm-hmm. of Johnny Depp, uh, but, uh, you know, um, I I think Tim Burton would be exactly where he is if Johnny Depp wasn't in the picture. But Johnny Depp would not be where he is if Tim Burton mm-hmm. weren't. in. I kind of like that take. Yeah, I never thought of that, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. I do like that take because there's Tim, always somebody to fill a role. I feel, yeah, I feel like Tim Burton just unlocked that side of Johnny Depp. The weirdness. Like he, he's, he, I feel like he's always maybe had that weirdness, like even just like the way uh-huh. he dresses and the way he speaks and stuff like that. But I feel like he always had to tone it down for the roles that he was in prior to Tim Burton. Imagine if Tim Burton hadn't helped Johnny Depp find a different side of his acting style. We wouldn't have had non-Tim Burton Johnny Depp movies like Pirates mm-hmm. of the Caribbean, yeah. like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which yeah. is an absolutely fantastic film. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite, uh, he played a decent Gellert Grindelwald. <clears throat> yeah. Scary <laughs> Gellert Grindelwald. I will give him that. But, you know, he did it. Mm-hmm. Um Johnny Depp is a great actor. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, yeah, he really is, and I think Tim Burton helped unlock a lot of that potential. Yeah, yeah, I think I can agree with that. Good question, Brooke. 
Thank you. Thank you. Chuck flipped the script <laughs> on you though. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Were <laughs> <laughs> you expecting right. me to say the opposite? No, I wasn't, to be honest. Oh, okay, yeah. good, good, good. <laughs> All right. Brooke, what did you rate this movie? So I rated the story a eight out of ten. I said it was a brilliant adaptation of the original musical that could only be, be done right by Tim Burton. The directing, writing, all amazing, a tragic story about loss and revenge. And quality, I had to give it a 10 out of 10. Beautiful nice. set design and cinematography, acting all around is fantastic. A perfectly made movie. So, all right. All right. 8 out of 10 and 10 out of 10. Very nice. Uh, okay. My story, I gave it a 9 out of 10. I said it was a fantastic story of revenge and pure anger while also mixing in a tragic tale of lost love and a new love forming. Uh, It's kind of all over the place with the separate love stories, but it all works so well together. Uh, This is one of my favorite Tim Burton films and I fall in love with it more and more every time I watch it. Uh, It's, it's weird for a musical to paint such a perfect picture for me personally, I often find myself like getting lost in musicals because like you're not listening to dialogue. You're listening to lyrics that are telling a story. And that's hard for me to get a grasp on sometimes, but this movie, it just, it does it so well. The, the songs are so well at, or do such a good job at like telling the story that's happening. Um, so, I mean, Yeah. For a musical standpoint, this one is like above and beyond most of the other musicals that I've watched. Uh, my quality, I did have it at a 9.5, but I mean, I'll, I'm bumping it up to a 10 just because I, <laughs> I mean, peer pressure. Why the fuck not? I mean, it's a 9.5 already. So, yeah. Um, I said the only issue that I do have with this movie is the special effects. Some of them seem very amateurish and like CGI ish, especially like at the beginning. Um, oh yeah i think they did it on purpose i don't know but it was just like and i know it's only the opening credits but it was just i don't know for a movie like this it has so much gore and blood in it it's i don't understand why they would have went that route i actually have a thought on that okay you saw charlie in the chocolate factory right correct Okay, so kind of the same thing at the beginning of Charlie, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with that opening credits thing. It was very CGI, yeah. um, very heavily. Like, I think Tim Burton was having a love affair at the time with CGI and the fact that he just like he wanted to have these very elaborate yet kind of beautiful, breathtaking and kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, out of the ordinary opening sequences like again you know like you know your opening credits are your opening act of the film yeah and so whereas like charlie and the chocolate factory i thought charlie and the chocolate factory opening was way better than willy wonka and the chocolate factory opening <laughs> uh but you know you know that also says something about the changing of the times mm. uh but you know this film it catches you absolutely that whole you know the blood running through the sewers and stuff like that mm-hmm. absolutely but yeah it was kind of cheesy it really yeah. was um, a questionable choice, but something I think that, again, he was just having a love affair with at the moment. Mm. And I, like, I know it's only the opening credits, so I, I can't be too picky about it, but it just kind of threw me off at the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie. Um, 
But like I said, everything else about this movie is damn near perfect from the score and the soundtrack to the acting, singing, setting, the brutal kills, uh, the cinematography. Um, Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter have such an incredible on-screen chemistry. And they're honestly one of my favorite duos, like with everything that they do together. They just they just mesh so well together. Like if I see a movie that has the two of them as the like co-stars, like I just know that I'm gonna enjoy it. Yeah, you don't even question it. No. I had a thought about something you said during your story rating. Okay. Uh so you're talking about how you know, like the music and the lyrics and stuff like that, you know, really help drive this story and stuff like that. Have you ever seen Liam Neeson's version of Les Miserables. No, I haven't. Okay. It is a non-musical version. It has him, Jeffrey Rush, mm-hmm. um, a couple of uh, a couple other people I can't like name Uma Thurman, other names I just really can't think of off the top of my head. Non-musical version of Les Miserables. Now, have you seen the musical version of Les Miserables? I have not. Oh my gosh. Okay. I know, I know. Um, anyway, <laughs> same story. Two different styles, obviously, because you have the musical versus non-musical. I have to say the non-musical is a lot more intriguing and driving. I love Liam Neeson's version. Don't get me wrong. It's very fascinating the way they told it without all the music and stuff like that. Mm. But then you realize how important the music was to the story Mm. and how it really just helps drive everything and you maybe think about that and i know i made an allusion to it earlier um with a fan of the opera the fact that it was very musically driven lot less dialogue more music and i really think that helps capture and tell certain stories and this is one of those things that's just told better when people are singing yeah that i mean yeah it's definitely a fair statement now i've never really been one for musicals up until like recently where i've actually started to enjoy them a little bit more um but yeah i mean i saw phantom of the opera when i was in the fourth grade we went for a school trip and all of us kids were like pissed we're like what the fuck like we're gonna see a musical like what but i mean we're also like what 10 years old maybe but it was mesmerizing Mm -hmm. i couldn't believe what i was watching like we're in this we're in this like big huge auditorium sort of thing and it was in Toronto Ontario and at one point the chandelier lets go and shoots right down over top of us and i thought that was the coolest fucking thing i've ever seen in my life it's That's so beautiful isn't it yeah it was nuts what they were able to do with that play it's absolutely and that that's what makes musicals just sorry i'm holding on to my koozie that's what makes musicals just like so uh sweetwater 420 guys i highly recommend it um (laughs) you know it just makes it so beautiful uh just like mesmerizing especially in a theatrical setting like Mm -hmm. one of my favorite animated movies is the lion king right yes you Uh know it's a musical it's disney whatever we got an opportunity to see the stage like the the Broadway version of this uh, when it traveled to DC one time. And I'm just like, Oh man, this, this is going to be cool. I guess, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. I I don't think it's ever going to top the movie. Phenomenal. I, I still talk about it to this day, just how absolutely amazing, like the movie doesn't even be like, they can do so much more in the stage play than Mm -hmm. they ever did in the movie. And like, don't even get me started on the live action movie. Um, (laughs) 
it's just so beautiful and so well done. So yeah. like when you talk about like going to see Phantom of the Opera, man, I wish my school would have taken us to see Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. we did in school. They went, they took us to some like production of 101 Dalmatians and I got pulled <laughs> up on the stage to be a puppy. I was fucking embarrassed. Yeah, that would be embarrassing. <laughs> I saw the, the Lion King when I was 12. We went down to Disney World or mm-hmm. Disneyland, whichever one's in Florida. World. Uh, world, yeah. And they had just opened it up, I think, that year. Yeah. That was the first year of it. And I was blown away by that, too. The costume designs were unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. There's there's something about a stage so, show that's <clears throat> just next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then when it translates well into a movie, like there are so many plays, so many musicals that get translated into <laughs> movies and stuff like that. And something kind of gets lost in translation. Same thing as like a book mm-hmm. to movie, you know, it's like so many things get lost in translation. Again, never having seen the stage version of this, I feel like mm-hmm. the movie did this story justice. Obviously, mm-hmm. it did the story justice. It's very critically acclaimed. Uh, Stephen himself said like he approves of this work and stuff like that so yeah 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 one of the best episodes of it's always sunny in philadelphia is whenever they <laughs> write the uh the nightman uh musical yeah <laughs> oh my gosh i must i haven't seen that i stopped watching after a certain time i need to get back into that yeah yeah all right all right sweet okay all right you guys know our scores let's head on over to rotten tomatoes and see what they've scored it the critics consensus uh there's a i don't know what this is chuck maybe you'll know but uh full of pyth and grand guignol grossness (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what that is but uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) do you know what it is or we just they gonna... liked it. Hey, they liked it. I hope they liked it. What did they give it? Well, I can't tell you that. But like, what what is Grand Green? Am I, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to. I'd have to look at it. Hold on, I'm going to pull it up real quick. No, you can't because I got to ask you what the critics' rating was. Oh shit. Okay. Um. Okay. Anyways, let me finish. Let me finish the consensus. Go ahead, go ahead. It's not done yet. Uh, this macabre musical is perfectly helmed and highly entertaining. Tim Burton masterfully stages the musical in a way that will make you think he has done this many times before. Okay, so they liked it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Going off that last part, but if Chuck didn't uh, translate the, the first sentence for us, you know. All right, say the first sentence again. Oh, for fuck's sakes. Sorry. Is it pith or pith? P-I-T-H. Full of pith? Pith, I think. Pith? Yeah. Yeah. Brooke, you're full of pith. <laughs> <laughs> Smells like pith. <laughs> okay, full of pith and grand guignol, G-U-I-G-N-O-L. I have no idea what that word is. I'm looking this shit up. Grand. Again, just from that sentence alone, it felt like they liked the film. And then when you continued on, yes, mm-hmm. I, I can conclude that they liked the film. Um, okay, hold on, hold on. It's it's a stage. It's a God, stage I've, term. 
Okay, okay so, like I feel like an idiot because I used to be an English major. Like, what the fuck is that word? I have no I idea. I think it's yeah, full of pith and grand quang. Okay, yeah, it, I can't say that word either. It's gran guignol. Gran guignol. What, what the fuck is gran guignol? Uh, definition: a short drama <laughs> stressing horror and sensual sensationalism. So why couldn't you just what? Say- yeah. Gran Guignol. This was a movie critic who wanted to flex their vocabulary. Yes. Okay. That's yes. all it was. They wanted to make us feel inferior. Exactly. And it worked. It made me feel stupid. <laughs> the... Jesus Christ. Grand Guignol. French. Jesus. Sorry, that's really French. Bad. Oh, th- that makes sense. Grand Guignol. French. Grand Guignol. Grand, Grand Guignol. Guignol. Grand Guignol. Grand Guignol. Grand... Oh. Okay, shut up now. Okay. <laughs> Gran Guignol. All right. All right. So based off I'm going to start using that term on my show yeah. when I start describing movies. Gran Guignol. <laughs> so based off that critics consensus, if you can remember it, what do you think the critics rated it? <sighs> Let's see. A movie like this. I want to say that the critics it's scoring in the 70s, like a 77, but it's like a 77 certified fresh. Okay. I'll tell you what, you got it half right. Oh, damn. Actually, you got it three quarters right because you got the certified fresh right. Okay. The average score was a 7.7 out of 10, but the percentage was an 86%. Damn, it scored yeah. higher than I would have thought. Yeah, okay. yeah, uh, that's on. I would two- have thought there were at least enough critics out there who would have hated it. That was on two hundred and thirty-two ratings. Wow, <laughs> eighty. You said an eighty-six. Yeah, eighty-six percent. I'm impressed. Eighty-six. I knew it was going to be certified fresh because there would be enough positive reviews about it. But yeah, honestly, yeah. damn. Okay, cool. And the audience rating was an eighty-one percent. On 250,000 ratings and an average score of four out of five. Nice. All right. All right. Yeah. Not bad. That's not bad. <clears throat> not bad at all. Uh, Letterboxd has a 3.5 out of five. Blasphemy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mark and I both gave it a 4.5. I don't think Chuck had a chance to put it up yet, but what would you give it out of five on Letterboxd? We gave both of his scores a 10. So, I know, uh, yeah. I, if I gave both scores a ten, it would be hard not to give it a five. Quite honestly, um, I would have to give it a five. I'm, I'm not feeling pressured into this at all. It's okay. it's a great film. <laughs> yeah. I, like I, I I don't hand out fives very easily, so mm-hmm. it, it's a great film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, some honorable I'm go mentions. Rate it right now. <laughs> uh, Jensen from the Fright Crew gave it a three point five out of five. Anthony from Porcelain Peak gave it a four. And Shut up, John, Anthony. <laughs> and, and John from Porcelain Beak gave it a 4.5. Good job, John. Yeah, good job, John. Really. Fuck you, Anthony. <laughs> I see you, that actually makes sense for John because John and I have talked about how much we love this musical before. So, mm-hmm. okay, I, that makes sense. I could see. I'm surprised that Anthony only gave it a four, though. I'm like, honestly, like, I really want to message him right now being like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. Rewatch this and score it higher. Just appease us. 
There's my five star. Boom. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Chuck, you've been on this show before multiple times. This is a new segment that is specifically for this month. Um, I love this. After this month, it's going to be gone, um, but we had to put it in. What do you rate this soundtrack? A Grammy? 10. 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. So you're giving this a Grammy. This is. I'm like giving this a Grammy. This across the sound- board. This soundtrack is absolutely phenomenal. I love listening to this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of musicals. I'm a fan of a lot of musicals, but there's very few soundtracks that I actually download or buy that I just, I absolutely love. You know, I rank this as one of my top, you know, it's right up there with uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. I love that soundtrack. Um, TikTok or TikTok, Tick Tick Boom, <laughs> TikTok. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah. Tick Tick Boom, uh, absolutely one of my other favorite soundtracks. Um, I have that whole thing memorized by now. Um, just a lot of great. Uh, Chicago, oh, mm. one of my other favorite soundtracks. It's just, it's so wonderful because it's just so catchy in a lot of mm. ways, and it's the fact that it just goes. Uh, from these ballads to you know these uh, really uplifting songs and stuff like that, it's just it's, and you feel the emotion when mm-hmm. it's just being sung. Like uh, uh, I know there's another category about this here here in a moment where we you know we pick our favorite song, like which one would we add to our list? But just mm-hmm. like I can't pick one, I have like mm-hmm. three. So it's very hard. It is hard. That's honestly one of the reasons why I was listening to the soundtrack while I was doing my notes so I could pick my favorite song. It's so hard. I was just like, I need to listen to them all again so I can fucking figure this out. (laughs) But But yes, I uh, give it a Grammy. Very nice. Very nice. Now, what is your one song to add to your Spotify or Amazon (gasps) music playlist? This was the hardest thing because y'all are going to make me choose one. Um, (laughs) I had three contenders this whole time. Uh, the opening sequence, uh, No Place Like London, mm-hmm. uh, was uh, just, it's absolutely one of my favorites. Um, the other one is, uh, I had it pulled up and then I did, come on. Mm-hmm. Bear. Uh, so, uh, No Place Like London. Uh, the other one was My Friend. So when he's reintroduced to his, um, you know, his blades, his, razors and stuff like that i love that song and then the uh worst pies in london it just yeah. it's so fun to listen to that so out of these three though i would have to go with no place like london i just okay. it sets the tone for the rest of the film yeah or the rest of the story i guess depending mm-hmm. on what version of this mm-hmm. you're seeing yeah very true um i also gave the soundtrack a 10 out of 10 uh i said Every song is either tragically beautiful or upliftingly fun, both of which will have you singing along to every track while watching Sweeney's steady descent into madness, <laughs> all while painting a perfect picture scene by scene. And this is one of the only musical soundtracks that I listen to on like a semi-regular basis. Like I was telling you, Chuck, like I just randomly threw this on at work one day and it made me want to do this whole sort of thing. And I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Uh, my one song is ironically my friends, which is ah, one, nice. one of the ones that you had. Nice. Uh, I said, I love Johnny and Helena together and everything that they do. And they complement each other so well and all the songs that they sing together. But this song in particular, it starts off with Johnny Depp sounding so like 
pained and emotional. And then it like crescendos into just pure anger um, towards the end of it. And it's just, it's such a great range of emotions for him. And like the orchestra in the background, whenever he starts getting more angry with everything and like the orchestra is just like fucking booming by the end of the song. And Mm -hmm. I love it. And you got to just appreciate the characters just like desire for vengeance and the fact that, you know, like he's not talking about blood. He never says blood. Mm -hmm. You shall drip rubies. Yeah. Precious rubies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's like, it's a love letter to the destruction he wants to commit. Yeah. It's so oddly unsettling and satisfying all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I gave the soundtrack a nine out of 10. Nice. Um, I think they're all really good songs. Just a couple of like same by kind of like the other back characters like uh, Joanna or even like Anthony just like didn't really catch me like other ones did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I couldn't give it a perfect 10 out of 10. And then the one song I put on my Spotify playlist, uh, this was really tough, um, but I went with Epiphany, which is mm. the one where he kind of has that character turn and they're like in the window talking about what they're going to do with the, the pie shop and all that. Um, yeah. I really liked it. It's a good one. It's good. And I was looking up uh, the Oscars. Um, I don't know if this one would have been valid because like the... Um, it's for like best original score and best original song. So I don't know if any song from this would be like considered like original. I don't know, but yeah. it didn't get any nominations for any uh, music or anything like that. They, hmm. I think they just ended up cutting songs from the original play and not creating anything new. Yeah. Them. That's what I, I thought. Um, but yeah, it, it did win best art direction and Johnny Depp did get uh nominated for best actor but of course he was going up against uh Daniel day lewis for there will be blood so. oh you're not winning that category. yeah, you're not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but i mean like you gotta be proud for for a horror movie uh, is this a horror movie i guess yes it, it's got mm-hmm. all the elements to create enough suspense yeah and uh depending on what your views of horror are like you know um I'm one of those few people who doesn't believe Saw is a horror movie. Is it a gore movie? Absolutely. But it, was I horrified during the movie? No. Yeah. But I, I feel like this falls under that same category. There's enough like suspense. There's enough gore and stuff like that, that it could qualify. It could be like a slasher movie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. How cool would that be if they did Scream as like a, a stage play? Yeah. That'd be interesting. <laughs> Don't tell Josh this. He'd make it happen. <laughs> if like, and all of this, the soundtrack is like the actual soundtrack from the movie, but it's the characters singing the songs instead. Interesting. I'd see it. Sign me up, Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You guys ready for that scare section? Yeah. Yes, sir. All right, Brooke, what did you give for a scare rating? So I gave the scare rating a four out of 10. Um, It is a very creepy and 
depressing movie with uh, some violence and stuff. So I'll give it a four out of ten. Uh, scariest scene, I said the final scene when he throws a love it in the oven. Yeah. Um, just I, it's just so brutal. Because uh, like she loves him, you know, she says all that she's you know loved him for so long, and then he just like overlooks all of that and just mm. doesn't even hesitate. Just. <laughs> Fucking picks her up and shocks her in. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Yeah. And would I survive? I said no because I love getting a clean shave. Oh, nice. <laughs> All right. What a big shoe, guys. Chuck. Um, on a scare rating, I'm pretty much right there with Brooke. I gave it about a four. Um, you know, it's got the creepy factor, definitely. It's got the suspense and everything like that. But like overall, was I scared during the movie where there's scenes that made me jump or anything like that? Absolutely not. Um, just enough to be creepy uh, without um, being too, too, too scary. Uh, scariest scene. I uh, Again, I feel like I'm stealing from Brooke here. Uh, the scene where he throws uh, Mrs. Lovett into the mm. fire. Like that's one of my like absolute like worst nightmares worst things like worst ways to die yeah. being burned to death that i actually think the poseidon adventure for that one uh do y'all remember that movie yeah yeah i that one of the scenes where somebody burns to death just like nope 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 i do not want to die burning to death <laughs> yeah. absolutely not uh so Speaking you know same saw. thing yeah Sounds right <laughs> i i that scares me more than anything else in this movie so um would i survive no because I too love going to the barber. So mm-hmm. my luck, I would choose like, I hope Devin's not a Sweeney Todd, but my luck, I would like go somewhere and visit a barber and that's Sweeney Todd. So, <laughs> no, I would not survive. Nice. Uh, we're fours across the board. I also gave nice. scary rating a four. Nice. Uh, I said Johnny Depp is so good at making you feel sorry for him, but also scared as fuck by him in these types of roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, this role shows how much someone can snap with pure rage and anger with the ease mm-hmm. at which he just starts killing everyone. Um, it's also a very dark and gothic type setting that uh, that really works well for this story. Yeah. Uh, my scariest scene, I went a little bit of a different route, but uh, I said when Sweeney starts killing everybody and like the the angle at which we see their bodies hitting the floor underneath, mm-hmm. just like every character falls head first, but they all land differently. Like one guy lands on the very top of his head and his neck, like snaps right backwards and his body like falls back over top of his head. And like another one falls kind of off to the side. It's just like the way that they're dropping these bodies. It just seemed really realistic, mm-hmm. which was, yeah. And like, that's creepy. Everyone I was like, Oh fuck, fuck. Oh yeah. my God. Like I was just like <laughs> twitching with everyone. <laughs> Um, would I survive? I said he's literally killing everyone. I think I'm fucked. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that concludes it. Do you guys have anything else that you want to add or talk about before we wrap everything up? I got no, I don't think so. Okay, well, Chuck, do you want to give yourself one last shameless plug? Certainly. So I am, again, Jeffrey Chuck Norris, and one half of uh, the hosting team of Chuck and Ruff Go to the Movies, where we talk about different movies and uh, things like that that have influenced our life or impacted our love of other movies. Uh, we are 
found on all your uh, major podcast platforms and social media. We have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We just dropped an episode on 2014's Godzilla. So mm-hmm. go check that out. It's a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, that's us. Very nice. Thank you. That's nice. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah. Had a blast like always. Anytime. <clears throat> Uh, as for us, you can find us on social media at Instagram and Facebook at a podcast on Elm Street. If you click the link in our bio on Instagram, you'll find links to our T Public account uh, where we have some of our merch. There's also a link to our Patreon account if you wish to support the podcast that way. There's links to each of our in- individual letterboxed accounts, our Discord server, our Twitch account, and anywhere that you can listen to us. If you wish to be a guest on the podcast, shoot us a DM, chat us up. We're always ready and willing to have people come on. Mm-hmm. Especially Chuck. Ah, yeah. You're, you're getting up there. You you and Josh, I think, are, are getting pretty close up there. Stay now. aside, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's always a great time when you come on, Chuck, and we really appreciate you agreeing to do this one. Yes, and uh, we need to settle on a date, guys, for y'all to come on because we've been talking about a certain subject and we need to make it happen. Yes. Yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah, we will dis- we'll discuss. Yeah, we will. <laughs> we'll have our people call your people. <laughs> <laughs> if my people ever answer the phone. <laughs> but uh, anyways, yeah, we'll catch you next week, guys. Yeah, see you later. No, I don't want to end the meeting.